Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, celebrate your uniqueness, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word difference. Simply put, the quality that makes one person or thing unlike another. Difference is wonderful and essential, and as I like to talk about all the time here on Camera Ready and Able, why fit in when you should stand out? So my guest for this episode, and I'm super excited, is Austin McGee, who wrote the book on difference, literally, entitled Find Your Difference, Challenging Conformity in Business and in Life. Austin is the co-founder of Find Difference and a self-described over-marketer who ran Sterling Brands and before that was president and CEO of Young and Rubicon, among others. And Austin's list of credits would take up the entire podcast episode, so I'm going to focus on one highlight that interests me a lot because it's in the media space. Austin advised MSNBC to step into opportunity and become the liberal news network. And the rest is history. Uh, Warm hello, Austin. Thanks, Barbara. So I love your book. And our mutual friend, Alan Ibbotson, who's the one who turned me on to it live in the middle of a podcast I did with him. And I like my head was exploding. I was so excited. Um, So I'm all about finding your difference. And boy, do you deliver in this book. So uh, diving in, you say multiple times, if everyone's zigging, you should zag. So one of my first questions was, did you actually coin that phrase? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I don't, I, but it's so commonly used. I have no idea who the hell coined it. Um, well, because I could but, believe it was you, considering everything you've done. So I was like, okay, I credit Austin with zigging and zagging. But yeah, the real, go ahead. I should take I should take credit for it because <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody um, anybody would know who came up with it first. So why not? Sure, I did it. Fantastic. Plus, you have a storied history of your own zigging when everyone was zagging. And, um, and then helping others zig. So why is being different so scary? Well, that's the question. Um, and I'm not sure I totally know the answer yet. But, I mean, I have spent um, years coming into rooms and giving my little lecture about the importance of difference. And you can prove it. It's been, it's been proven scientifically. There's lots of quantitative data. So... Brands and businesses are built through difference, and I would also argue careers are built through difference. Um, And I'll say things like this, and everyone in the room will sort of nod their head, but I'll know in the back of my head that while people agree with it conceptually, just about everybody agrees with it conceptually, very few people have the nerve to actually be and do it, me included. and. So the book is really an exploration of, okay, let me make the case for difference, and then let's have some fun and explore why the hell we don't just do it. We use these – look at the case studies people like me trot out all the time, you know, Facebook, Zuckerberg, um, um, Amazon, Bezos, Steve Jobs at Apple. The list goes on and on and on. All people who were just – different who, who who a thought differently and b were willing to stick with that thought um so we, we 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 know the data we trot out the case studies and then we don't do it and so the the middle of the book really is okay why and then in in researching that 
you get into our parents are trying to keep us safe. So they're trying to keep us sort of in the middle of the herd. Our schools and our, and our churches are not set up for difference. They're just not. Their sort of business model doesn't really allow for it because it's, it's very rules driven. Mm-hmm. Big companies, uh, big companies um, are not really set up for difference. Again, pretty strict rule sets. And then ourselves, there, there, there's a bunch of um, sort of lab research that's been done that makes it very clear that, that the majority of us compromise and, and conform when faced with a group of people that think differently than we do. So you add all that up, and that's why we're scared to be different. Well, you gave me some great examples when we spoke before that uh, and, and that I want to circle back to, because when you talk about the big players, and so that is overwhelming, right? And it's the idea, it's like, I'm, I'm not Steve Jobs and I'm not Sarah Blakely. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm just little me. But the yeah. idea that sometimes when it comes to individuals, huge difference is not what is necessarily needed. It's just a difference that it, it, that makes a difference that's marketable. And so I love the example you gave to me about going in and, you know, suggesting to someone to make their deck vertical instead of horizontal. And oh. they nearly had a heart attack and were like, we can't do that. Decks are supposed to be horizontal. And I was riveted because that shows up so much in the spaces I inhabit, whether those are media personalities, authors, anybody using media to promote themselves, they get we get in this yeah. really tight yeah. box that everybody's doing it this way. And I'm like, that that's like a little thing that's not going to kill your business. Yeah, but it's the it, it is to your point, it's just an example of the mindset. And it's back to your, you know, zig when other people are zagging. Um, the person that I was talking to was getting a bunch of advice from other people that these decks for this purpose are horizontal. And it was just a little thing. But the point was, yes. So if you want to fit in, do it horizontally. If you want to stand out, do it vertically. And that's a silly little example, but it is actually the whole case for difference right there. It's like, if everybody's loud, be quiet. If everybody's quiet, be loud. If everybody's conservative, be liberal. If everybody's liberal, be conservative. If you want to stand out, but not all of us, as we just discussed, not all of us actually do want to stand out at the end of the day. Well, to that point, you know, something anybody can do now on a mundane level is send a Christmas card in the mail or a holiday card instead of sending an email or a digital card. Because that I get so few physical, like that was sweet stand out by the gesture. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, it's, I said, uh, I was saying to somebody the other day, you know, like maybe we should buy stock in companies that make really high quality paper and, and, and really nice pens because at some point, I mean, it's the law of inertia, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. It's never equal, but it's there. And if we're all starting to send our cards and send our correspondence digitally at some point, people who want to stand out and do something special are going to use really nice paper and a really nice pen and write a personal note or maybe show up in person. I have to say, sometimes just saying thank you in my industry is enough to stand out. (laughs) The bar is not not that high. And to your point earlier, it's like, we're all different. I mean, the the thing is, we're all different. And, and it's important to stress that difference is a horizontal concept. It's not 
you know, I think we get confused in thinking some differences make people better or worse than others. It's like, it's horizontal. We're all different. Um, the question is, do we want to maximize our difference or do we want to minimize our difference? Mm, now we're, oh, I love that, Austin. Because one of the things I love, it's early on in the book, is better is not different. Mm. Yeah, this is a, that's a very businessy thing, I think. But the, the idea there is that, and there's been a couple of really great books written about this. There's a Zero to One by Peter Thiel, and there's Blue Ocean Strategy. Mm-hmm. And just the point being that competition is really bad for business. And I think that, that, that we're, most of us get caught up in competing with the other person. Mm-hmm. And the other person sits in the same industry we do, and they're probably constructed very similarly to the way our company is constructed. And they're getting the same research we're getting. They're hiring the same people we hire. But at the end of the day, they got to find a way to stand out. But they're not built for that. They're built to do the same thing. Uh, and it gets into this war of incremental moves that is just not, it's really expensive. Well, it shows up also in the individual space. So in the media space, whether you are a host, a media personality, actor, or, you know, so many of the small businesses and entrepreneurs that I work with, right? So, and I love blue ocean theory. So people are obsessing about what other people are doing, but it's, it's hard to be number one. And in so many of these spaces, there is no concept of the, the best. There's no objective way to be like, you're the best teleprompter reader of all time. You're the best newscaster. You're the best presenter. It just doesn't exist. And so that's why I love that better is not different because people get really hung up on that. Like, I'm just going to be the best one. I'm like, but that doesn't exist. So focus on the maximizing your strengths, which is the way I look at what are your differences or the recipe yeah. of you? What are the elements of you? But I just want to get into that with humanly for many of us, we sit here and we're, we're not extreme anything. So there are a few people who are blessed with being just like so wildly original or so just obviously amazingly talented, whatever that is. But for the rest of us, it's so hard and overwhelming and daunting and almost to the point where many people give up the idea is like i'm not different there's nothing i have no differences and that's why the power of your book i mean that's what i really want to get into and so to walk us through because in some ways you say like it's there others you have to make it up i think is the actual language you use yeah i mean it's so separating people from business for a second i mean i I think with people because you're right you're absolutely right i am not I don't think as an individual, I'm very good at standing out. My, I was having this conversation with my wife the other day, and I was saying how much I, there's, I, I'm a bit of a fanboy for this guy, Scott Galloway. Oh, and love. Subscribe. To I love I, I, and she's like, she's like, you should be more like him. <laughs> but you know, but I, I can't be. You know, that's, he's, he's way out there, and I love to watch it. Um, but that's just... Not me, unfortunately, because I love I love his thing. And most of us, me included, are just not willing to go as far as he goes. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. It's just we we shouldn't expect to stand out as much as he does. And that could be okay too. Okay, so putting you on the spot, I just want you to know it's page one twenty-three. We have scenario number one is embedded difference. Oh yeah. Scenario so, number two is discovered difference, and then scenario number three is created difference. Can you give us a little mini lesson in what those differences yeah. are? Yeah. 
so I'll try not to be too businessy, but I mean, um, so embedded difference is is the is is heaven on earth for a marketer. I mean, essentially, you've got a difference embedded in your business model. The deeper, the better. And it's pretty easy for a marketer. It's self-evident what that difference is. You just need to do a good job of executing. You need to do a good job of marketing from it. So that's people like uh, Walmart or Southwest or Four Seasons, or I think I use in the book the example of the city of Venice. You know, it's, it's embedded in your product. The second one is essentially the act of discovering difference within your business. So uh, maybe a good example in entertainment was, well, to some degree, well, I would say the Today Show. We, we, we worked with NBC on the Today Show and their uh, difference versus Good Morning America, which at the time, that time was, was kind of killing them in the ratings, mm-hmm. is that they're more journalistic. And we, we just spent a lot of time trying to convince and, and support them in feeling better about their difference, about, about this idea that they were, as we said, you're the meat, they're the popcorn. I loved that version because that's about playing to your strengths. Yeah, ex- exactly right. Do not play their game. It's an old sop. You know, don't play defense. Don't play the other guy's game. Play your own game. Because otherwise, it's also just to interrupt. Sorry about that, because mm-hmm. you're my guest. No, but go, I wanna, go, go, go. But for, for the individual, because so many of us come from this place, because the following is a fear-based strategy. I'm afraid, therefore, and and I see it a lot in political campaigns. Yeah, We're right. afraid of the electorate. So we run a fear-based campaign instead of a strength-based camp- and campaign. Yeah. And I see that in the media space all the time, TV shows I work on you know, decision makers, on and on and on and on. You know, with hindsight, it seems so obvious, right? Today's show, you're so good at this. Yeah. Do what you're good at. Yeah. Another good example, which I love um, because I'm a geek, is uh, we we did a lot of work with Warner Brothers years ago on their superheroes and uh, positioning their superheroes. And Batman, we went, our guys went around the world and essentially talked to a bunch of kids and you can literally make a list of Batman's assets. And the one that is most unique to Batman is, is the fact that he went out and got his own powers. So that's the idea. That's the thing you play up. I think the line we used was from purpose comes power. One of my, one of my favorite lines. And, um, and, and the, the, you know, there was a whole bunch of contextual issues with Batman back then, which was he was seen as an old kids thought he was super old like maybe 40 um and uh he lived in this dark mansion with these with these really old people uh they didn't know where his money came from so there's a bunch of contextual issues but at the at the end of the day they hadn't shone a bright enough light on um on the thing that made him unique and then there's created difference, which if you're a marketer, I think is the most challenging, but also the most fun. And that's essentially where it isn't different. You see this a lot in packaged goods, particularly, but it's like there isn't really a difference. So you're going to have to create one. Maybe it's already a little bit in your culture. Maybe it's off to the side a little bit. So when we worked with NBC News on MSNBC, uh, it was sort of there, but 
it, it, they were just a small, uh, yet another cable news network. And you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to, to sort of realize, well, you've got Fox News on the right. You've got CNN at the time right in the middle. Look, there's this blue ocean over there on the left. Um, so and they had the courage to Phil, who, who ran it at the time. At the end of the day, it's more a story in courage than anything else. He had the courage to go over there, even though the owners of that time of uh, NBC were not that happy with somebody taking a liberal perspective. And he stuck with it. And they, they built one, one uh, celebrity at a time. They built a liberal network. And you could see the research we did went from, gee, I don't know what they stand for, to people in rooms in tears talking about how much they loved MSNBC and the and the personalities like Rachel Maddow on on uh, MSNBC. That's a great story. You know, I had uh, an amazing woman on the podcast recently named Erin Ashley Simon, who is uh, big in the esports world and media. And the reason I bring this up is she is has a really big deal with Puma, and she still considers herself a micro influencer. And I said, "What was the differentiating factor for you?" And she said, "Puma understood I stood for something." Hmm. Hmm. Right. And she, yeah. like, she's always had the courage to stand for something and to stand out. And she's building an amazing, very unique media empire, which exactly speaks to what you were just talking about. But it also speaks to creating difference. Just to point out to people, this comes up a lot. I see it all the time, like cooking shows, interior design shows, and people with those sorts of businesses is to go create that difference because the space is the space or at the yeah. end of the day. you know, Right. And so it's 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 that challenge. It's not necessarily easy, but it is what anybody because anybody who breaks through, it's because they've succeeded in figuring that out. Yeah, and you know, look, if you're going to create a difference, the fact of the matter is, it's not deeply embedded in whatever you do. So somebody could copy you next week. Um, I remember when we worked with Dove, um, and basically created a position around this idea that beauty comes from within within a category that was all about external beauty, beauty comes from within. And the, again, very brave group of clients ready to pursue that incredibly good work from their from their ad agency, uh, Ogilvy and Mather. But it could have been copied the, the week or a week or two later. It just wasn't. And they came to own that idea. And they've just been running with it brilliantly um, ever since. I love your humble undersell because that literally changed the culture. That's an incredible shift. Yeah, it was, well, but it's what they, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's great to come up with ideas and strategy. At the end of the day, nobody knows about them until somebody executes them really well. And that was, and, and I, the other point this raises that I talk about in the book is, is just focus. They stuck with it. They stuck with it. They didn't, they didn't get, you know, pulled away into others. Well, lately they've done Duff for Men, but, um, but but they really didn't get pulled away from that idea at all. They just found different ways to execute it. Okay. One of my favorite case studies, if, it, if I can call it that in the book, um, that I gravitated to, and this is an example of, of marketing gone bad, is TV Guide. Oh, yeah. And the reason I say that, though, is I unapologetically watch and digest an enormous amount of content. Luckily, it's my job, because otherwise then it would be embarrassing. But um, so here's the thing, Austin, I don't know if you're aware, but there is literally no guide to all the programming that exists. And 
they had such, they could own it. Because I remember, true story, I've been a Netflix subscriber for 20 plus years to the point where in the early days, and there's a point to the story, I actually called them on the phone because I think like CDs, you know, DVDs had gone astray or something. Like I felt like I had to call them. And actually, to that point, I actually thought they were located in Queens because that's where my DVDs went. And I thought I was talking to a kid in the garage. I mean, I literally knew nothing. And, um, but I asked him, I was like, why do you not like give information about like what's new and what I can go find? And they said, it's on me. They were like, well, that's not our business. That's not our job. And they've never felt it was their job, right? It's like, it's on you to go discover they push some stuff out now. And I, yeah. and then there's this guy in England named Walter who created Walter's list, but it, that's a whole separate thing that kind of imploded. Um, and so my point is TV guy that was a household name could have been like yep. that place. Yeah. Well, the, the funniest thing about that project we did with them is that our team worked on it for a while and I didn't, I, I guess I wasn't paying enough attention. And we got to a point where they unveiled this positioning strategy for TV Guide, at which point I said, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, first of all, I'm not sure why we're doing positioning work for TV Guide. The position is clear to your point. They're a guide to television and the world has never needed a guide to television more and will increasingly need that guide to your point. Um, the problem is that they're they're a guide in a little paper magazine, and they've got a they've got a, a channel that scrolls down, and you if you miss the line, you're so I thought we those were some of the best recommendations we ever gave a, a client. We we so I I was a hero for a very short period of time when I made this presentation to their executive team because at first I said you're a guide. Let me tell you how important you are. This idea is, it's never been more timely. But then I said, uh, the problem is how you bring that guidance to life. And we gave them a, a set of recommendations as to how you could be that guide in a, in a modern world. Needless to say, we wanted them to move their center of gravity to digital. And I, I, they sort of escorted me from the building. They really thought, I mean, I think at one point I, somebody said, you're making it sound like we're going out of business. And I said, but so if I'm, if I'm making it sound like you're about to go out of business, I apologize, but there's no question you're going out of business. It's just a question. The question is how long is the runway unless you change? And they just weren't ready to change. And then you, you, I'll use Netflix as a counterpoint. Those guys, I, I just, I have, there's a couple of companies that I have huge sort of envy of. They're one. They started off, as you said, with DVDs. And, and then they realized mm, that's not very differentiating. There's this retailer called Amazon. Um, so let's go, let's build a unique subscription model. That'll keep us different. And then later, it was like one of the bravest decisions ever made in the history of business to jump to streaming. And I think half of the world thought they were crazy at the time. But they never, they never lost track of their difference. They just kept bringing it forward in a different context. And uh, I, I just think they've, they've been absolutely brilliant. And the fact that they said to you, we don't do the guide part is just a testimony to how focused they are on the, on the content provision. 
and they they saw the way the world was gonna go so they built as much of uh, the biggest library they possibly could and they started making their own content because they realized at some point in time the studios would realize what's going on uh, it took them a very long time uh, to wake up to this and and would would restrict their content which is what Bob Iger, another hero of mine, has just done. And, and, but by the time he did that, Netflix already had enough content to, to be fine. Okay, that's a great segue into two things you say. Niche is not a four-letter word. And focus narrow, catch wide. Yeah, they're both related thoughts. I mean, if you look at the, the science of building a, a, a brand, the, the way it starts is you are highly differentiated. If you've got any hope in hell, you have to be highly differentiated. But but at the start, of course, you're going to be highly differentiated to a small group of people. And if you're really good at that, you'll lift your difference and you'll build a real a, a real group of followers. Then the real trick is to hold that elevation as you grow your business, as you build your audience. And that's where most people sort of fall off the wagon a little bit and they start to try, you know, I've, I don't know how many times I've had conversations with clients where it's like, well, we, we're appealing to a broad audience. So yes, but that doesn't mean you have to pitch yourself as something that's for a broad audience. You have to pitch yourself as something that that audience aspires to that is unique. Again, like Nike would be a, the perfect example. It's like they pitch themselves as a brand that is for really high performance, highly competitive athletes. But they know that we all think we have a little bit of that in us. But they're not for everybody. They they take a, a stand on things that that, that that isn't for everybody. So they they're masters of that sort of idea of of target narrow catch catch wide. Well, that comes up again so much in my space because I understand the human feeling of I don't want to miss out on opportunities. So I'm afraid that if I narrow cast or I identify myself in a niche, I'm going to miss opportunities. And all the recent data would say, no, 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 no. That's how you're going to create more opportunity is be the, the most awesome in that in that little pond. And then interestingly enough, you know, I think the last two years really show us that a, many people can stand out by taking a stand, whatever that stand is. But that's another yeah. way to differentiate. Even standing for something at all is a way to stand out, as opposed well, yeah. to being in the wishy-washy. In the in the well, I think this is still kind of true. In the er, I remember in the early two thousands, I was running an ad agency and we we're working with a bunch of clients. And the, 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 what we were reading at the time was that the VC community was essentially saying. Don't even bother me with it unless it's a billion dollar space that you're going after, which was really unfortunate because the real successes have not been people that were going after a billion dollar space. They were people who built something that looked very niche at the beginning and they built it and they built it really well. And then they they grew from there. And a lot of pretty exciting startups did not get funded back then because their quote unquote, addressable market wasn't big enough. And it's just because people couldn't look down the line and see how a niche play could grow. Mm. Which brings me to the final point I want to address, because I thought this was really wonderful in the book, is diversity breeds difference. And to really drive home, you know, it's not a buzzword. It's not about being uh, trendy or ticking a box. 
it's about how important diversity is for individuals and companies to actually create difference and to breed different. I love it. So if you just speak to that for a minute. Well, and, and diversity in every sense of that word is, it's, you know, it's such an important word. Diversity as in different points of view. You, I think you can measure the health of a company culture based on how much debate is encouraged and flourishes within that company. Uh, people from different backgrounds because they will come to the table with different points of view. So if you combine people with different points of view with uh, an encouragement of debate, you're going to, A, you're going to make better decisions in the first place. And B, you're going to be much more likely to innovate, to do something different. There's a little bit of science data to back up what I just said, but it, it also just intuitively makes sense. And I, again, we all know this. I mean, we've all worked in places where if the boss says something, people don't say you're wrong. But I had the most amazing experience. I always use this example. We, we did a, a, we spent a day with Bob Iger and the executive team at Disney. And I just watched his lieutenants tell him he was wrong repeatedly. And he never blinked. He didn't, it was just, that's just the way it is. These guys tell me I'm wrong all the time and I tell them I'm, they're wrong all the time. And that's how we make better decisions. Wow, that's a rare form of leadership. Mm, it, it, it is, unfortunately. I think we're all guilty of it. I think we get into a position where we're supposed to be at the top of some pyramid and we're supposed to know everything. Right, but we're never supposed to be the smartest person in the room. That's the other thing. Oh, it's hard, Austin. I mean, we're supposed to be smart, but we're supposed to surround ourselves with smart people. And nobody, I don't care how smart you are, you're not right all the time. But if you start to believe that you are, you just stop listening to the, the people around you. Well, there's no data to support me thinking I'm the smartest person in the room. So I'm, I'm already okay <laughs> no, But the no. thing that the final thing that I love to close out on was because this spoke to me as the emotional side of this is you, you say strategy equals thinking plus feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's interesting because you think about it. I mean, you have to be highly analytical if you want to be good at strategy. And what that means is the way I liken that is you're, you're going to build a sort of mountain of, of analysis. And how you do that analysis is actually really important. You have to actually process the information differently to your competitor, competitors if you want to come to a different uh, conclusion, you're unlikely to know different things than your competitors. It's how you process it. So you build that sort of somewhat of a logical mountain of analysis. But at some point, you got to jump off the top of the hill. You just have to do it. And that's the intuitive leap. So if you do both, really, there was, you know, that gr great book by Malcolm uh, Gladwell called Blink. And there was another book actually written, it didn't do so well, I don't think, called Think. And the idea is you shouldn't just blink and you shouldn't just think. You have to actually do both if you want to be good at, at strategy. What's next for you or what's exciting to you right now since you've gave birth to your book, your it's second just, book? You know, the book's been a lot of fun because I wrote it, started writing it really as a business book, but it kind of took on a bit of a life of its own. So that's been a lot of fun. Can so, I interrupt you there too? The other thing that yeah. I love and I want to make note of is you did su you do such a beautiful job of writing in your voice. 
I mean, I really felt like I was reading an audio book. I mean, I could hear you through the whole thing and the cadence and the take, you know, really deep and complex ideas. And I just felt like you were chatting with me. It's fantastic. Uh, Thank you. That's the only way I know how to write, unfortunately. But no, I'm really, I'm having a great time with the book right now. We've had some supply chain issues, so the the book will be more available in January. Um, So that's it. And I, look, we're still, my partner Alpa and I are still actively doing consulting work. And so what's next is the next puzzle. I mean, the cool thing about strategy work is that you're essentially in the business of solving puzzles. And uh, so every puzzle is different. And anybody who thinks they've they've done it before is kidding themselves. It's all it's all you know. Each puzzle is stands alone. And so what's I've got we've got some projects brewing right now, and and they're all different, and they're all puzzles, and any of them would be really fun to try to solve. Do you actually like solving puzzles in like you know jigsaw puzzles, yeah. <laughs> the spelling yeah. bee in the New York I'm Times? Total, Are you? I'm, I'm a total geek. It's Ken Ken right now. I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm really into Ken Ken. It was Sudoku, but now it's Ken Ken. Um, and yeah, I love, I love puzzles and games and, and cause it is, it's like, it's like, that's, you know, when I sit down with my laptop and, and when I'm working with a client, I'm essentially just trying to, trying to solve a puzzle. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was great. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you would like a free copy of my ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera, please skip on over to ableintermedia.com and help yourself to the complimentary download. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.